Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. The following episode was recorded on Monday, July the 5th, which you'll be interested to know happens to be a day that I am off of work thanks to the Independence Day holiday. So yeah, that means a three-day weekend. And frankly, I could be napping right now, but instead, I'm recording this episode for you good folks. But hey, you shouldn't feel guilty about that in any way. Not, not even a little bit. Hello and welcome to an all new episode of Just Another Fanboy, the podcast with but one agenda, the total and complete domination of the entire globe. I'm your host, my name is Steven, but you may want to get used to calling me Emperor, because if everything goes according to plan, I'm sure to be in charge in three, maybe four weeks. But until then, I suppose I'll just keep doing these silly little episodes. And honestly, I have nothing planned for today. No itinerary, no list of topics, just whatever is up in this noggin of mine, which is often fairly empty, and that's kind of the way I like it. But as I was sitting there on the couch earlier, thinking how much I would like a nap, and realizing, no, no, you can't have a nap. Why? Because you need to record a freaking episode, because your episode is due on Tuesday. You have to get an episode ready and put it out there for the good folks who take time out of their schedule to listen to you talk about just the the dumbest things in the world. But I fought with myself, and it's always rather interesting when I fight with myself because I tend to do different voices. But I don't want to go up there and record no episode. I want to take a nap. I'm tired. It's a three-day weekend. I shouldn't have to be working on my holiday well, you have to work because you promised these good folks an episode. What the heck with those good folks? They don't pay my rent. <laughs> no, they don't pay your rent. What does that mean? That's stupid. They don't. Why would they pay your rent? And napping doesn't pay your rent either. What, what are you what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say I'm tired and I want to take a nap. Is that too much to ask on a Monday evening? 
Yeah, because if you take a nap, you're not going to be able to fall asleep tonight and you'll be up all night and then you'll be really tired tomorrow when you're trying to work, which is what does pay the rent. Fair point. That's fair point. You make fair point. All right. Well, what are we going to talk about? I don't know. Should we read a comic or something? I don't feel like reading no comic. What what should we do? I don't know. What what do you want to do? I think we should stop having this argument because I'm sure we're boring the audience. Again, another fair point that you're making. So, yeah, I have nothing at all to talk about. Otherwise, I wouldn't have just gone through that stupid exercise. Actually, a couple of movies landed on Hulu recently that I've been looking forward to watching. And I did watch them this weekend. The first one was Bohemian Rhapsody, or as I like to refer to it, Bohemian. And uh, I've been looking forward to watching this. I am not in any form or fashion a Queen fan. I have nothing against Queen. Um, I've just, they've just never been a band that I followed. I kind of missed the boat with Queen. You know, by the time I was really starting to get into music, of course, you had the standards from them. I think Another One Bites the Dust had just come out, and I did own that on 45. For those of you who are younger, a 45 is a small record in which you place on a turntable. And there's a little armature on this turntable that's got a little needle sticking out of it, and the turntable turns, and the little needle magically sucks the music out of this record, this flat piece of vinyl, and pumps it out of your stereo speakers. It's it's a pretty magical thing. And of course, everybody knew songs like We Will Rock You and We Are the Champions. And my parents actually owned a 45 that had Fat Bottom Girls on it. Uh, so that was the song I would listen to often as, as a young lad because I thought it was funny. Fat Bottom Girls, you make the rockin' world go round. I just thought it was funny because they said fat and bottom together. Ha <laughs> ha! Yeah. Anyway... Despite the fact that I was not this huge Queen fan, I had been looking forward to watching this movie. And I don't know how much of it is true. I don't know what they got right and what they got wrong. But gosh darn it, if by the time the movie was over, if I just didn't love every single of the four members of Queen, I just I just fell in love with those four guys, especially the kid from Jurassic Park who uh, played bass. You remember him, Tim, the human piece of toast? But it was a, it was a fun, good movie. Um, really interesting. Again, I don't know. You never know when you watch these types of movies, how much of it is true. It's always based on a true story, but you know, did Freddie Mercury really the day of Live Aid find Jim Sutton? Did it happen? You know, he, he shows up to the guy's house. Here's a guy that, that he meets. During the movie when he is just kind of in the middle of his big partying phase and he hasn't quite found himself. He he uh, he hasn't quite come to an understanding of what his place on the earth is. And it, according to the movie, is after he learns that he has AIDS, that he uh, realizes that life is short and all this other crap that he'd been devoting his time to was crap. And a particular manager was steering him down the wrong path for selfish means and selfish needs. But at one point in the middle of all that, he meets this guy who worked for this company that catered or some did something with the party. He, he was cleaning up afterwards and Freddie hits on him. And the guy's like, look, you know, if 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 you want to just hang out and talk and, and have a friend, I'll do that for you. But if you want anything more, you come find me when 
you begin to like yourself or something to that effect. And, and Freddie's like, well, what's your name? And he says, Jim Sutton. I'm pretty sure that was his name. And at one point, Freddie looks in the, in the phone book and he sees that there are just, you know, like 20 or 30 Jim Suttons in London. And so on the day of Live Aid, he goes to this guy's house, Jim Sutton's house. He knocks on the door. Jim answers and he goes, do you know how many Jim Suttons there are in, in, in London? And I don't know if we're supposed to believe that he quickly knocked on all these different doors looking for this guy on the day of Live Aid, you know, before he goes and performs. I don't know. I, I it, Has he spent the last few weeks doing this? Did he have, you know, I would assume in reality, if I was Freddie Mercury, I would have hired a private detective. You know, that's that's what I would have done. I just, hey, here I'm looking for Jim Sutton. Um, here's a physical description of him. Just find him for me. And then maybe he just got that information back a couple days earlier. And he said, you know what? I'm going to connect with this guy. And then I'm going to go take him around to meet my parents. And then I'm going to go do Live Aid all in the same day. And he 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 finds his 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 true love or his 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 the the his companion his you know this guy was with him he was his partner he was his boyfriend until the day he died but at the same time he had married this woman before he realized that he was gay again if all of this is true he had married this woman before he realized he was gay and even after he realized he was gay and she she knew it before he did he still wanted her to be a part of his life. He still considered her the love of his life, which to me just feels like, like, I don't know. I guess, you know, she was his best friend, but he just, he just needed her around him. Um, and so I don't know. All this stuff happens on the day of live aid. He finds Jim Sutton, the, the guy he's going to spend the rest of his life with. He reconciles with his father. He, yeah, and then he goes and plays Live Aid. I don't know how much of that's true, but it was a really good movie. I really enjoyed it. I especially enjoyed the scene where they're talking to the guy from EMI Records, who they have a record contract with, who is played by Michael Myers or Mike Myers of Wayne's World fame and Saturday Night Live fame. And they are trying to convince this guy that Bohemian Rhapsody should be the first single on the album. And the guy's telling him, no, first of all, it's over six minutes long. Radio stations won't play it. The standard length of a song to be played on radio stations is like three and a half minutes. So they're not going to play it. Plus, it's a stupid song. It's not something that kids want to hear nowadays. It's freaking operatic. It goes everywhere. It has a bunch of nonsense words in it. Kids these days want a song that they can sit in their cars and bang their heads to. And they're not going to do that to this song. Something to that effect. It was definitely kids in their cars banging their heads and they wouldn't do it to that song, which, of course, is a nod to the first Wayne's World movie where Wayne and Garth and their friends were in the Garth mobile banging their heads to Bohemian Rhapsody. And from what I understand, I feel like I read something or I watched something where Michael Myers talked about somebody had played that scene for Freddie Mercury before he died. And he, he, he really liked it. I don't remember. I don't, maybe I'm wrong. I want to say Freddie Mercury died in 91. And I don't know what year Wayne's World came out. But even if Wayne's World came out after he died, which I believe is the case, I think that scene was, was filmed and shot before he died. I don't know. I'm talking out of my butt at this point, folks. But anyway, Bohemian Rhapsody really enjoyed it. I now want to go out there and start listening to a bunch of Queen music. Uh, the first thing I did as soon as the movie was over, my wife said, 
You know, I wonder if there's any footage of that Live Aid show, you know, their performance on Live Aid. I wonder if it's out there on YouTube. And I looked it up and sure enough, their entire set is there. Uh, it's a little bit longer than what was in the movie. I kept hearing, I remember hearing that because like the last bit of the movie is them performing at Live Aid. And I feel like people were really angry about that. There were some angry people that were like, oh, just led up to them just recreating their entire set from Live Aid, which yes and no, they didn't recreate the entire set. After watching the actual set on YouTube, there were a few songs they left out, but really enjoyed the movie. Fell in love with all four of the guys, especially Tim, the human piece of toast. I'm sorry. I just could not get past the fact that the guy playing bass in Queen was Tim from Jurassic Park. I just I just couldn't get beyond that. Anyway, the other movie I watched this weekend was Bill and Ted Face the Music. Now, I'm a huge fan of the first Bill and Ted movie, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Saw it in the theaters, owned the soundtrack, loved it. Thought it was a lot of fun. Really had a hard time taking Keanu Reeves seriously when he started doing stuff like Speed and Point Break because of Bill and Ted. Uh, but I, I warmed up to him in non-Bill and Ted roles. Uh, enjoyed the second one, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Not as much as the first one, but I saw it in the theater as well. I pr- I'm pretty sure I own the soundtrack to that one as well. I mean, it had a Kiss song in it, which was pretty awesome. And really, I always thought, and I guess I'm, I'm, I feel like they've explained this, but I always thought that the song, cause when they get together at the end of Bill and Ted's bogus journey and they play the song that brings everybody together and changes the world forever, the song we hear is the kiss song, God gave rock and roll to you. And I just assumed we were to believe that that was the song that Bill and Ted were doing. It just happened to be played by kiss, right? And so I always thought it's, it was cool that Kiss had a song that, according to Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, was the song that united everyone all across the world. But apparently that was just the, the, the way I understand it. There was no way that they would be able to play an actual song in the movie that was so incredible that it would re- unite the entire world around it. Of course, that's impossible. If, if they could do that, it would have been done and the frickin' world would be united, right? So the Kiss song was just there to play as a just, it was just there. Just something to listen to while we couldn't hear Bill and Ted's song. That's the way I understood it. And I always found that rather disappointing because the Kiss song is actually quite good. It's a it's a very well-written and well-performed song. We're going to talk about Kiss here in a bit, too, because I want to talk about Kiss. But in Face the Music, it's what, 30, 40 years later, Bill and Ted are, are grown men. They have two... Uh, teenage daughters, late teens, probably 18, 19, maybe in their 20s at this point. And they're still trying to write the song. Apparently, well, they, they think they've written the song. Of course, they performed it at the end of Bogus Journey and they became hugely famous and their album went like freaking triple platinum or something. But everything that they had released from that point on just bombed. So they're not rich and famous. They're visited by the future people again, and they find out that that wasn't really the song. There's another song that they're going to write that's going to unite the entire world, but also fix reality. Something is wrong with reality. People are popping out of timelines and popping into other timelines, and it's all focused in on San Dimas. And it was a really, really good movie. I really enjoyed it. I'm not going to give anything away if you haven't seen it. 
if you are a fan or if you even enjoyed the first movie, let's let's forget about the second movie for a moment. I know a lot of people who really enjoyed the second movie. I'm one of them. But I also know a lot of people that are like, the first movie was awesome and the second movie sucked. So why would I want to spend my time watching a third movie? Well, the third movie was really freaking good. It was it was really good. I really had a good time with it. It was funny. It was clever. It had a very nice moment at the end. It had a nice message, I thought. And you get to see Jesus playing a cowbell at one point. So if for anything, watch the movie to see Jesus playing a cowbell. At the Last Supper, mind you. Jesus playing a cowbell at the Last Supper. That's really all you should know. That's all. That should have been the tagline to the freaking movie. Bill and Ted face the music. Jesus Christ plays a cowbell at the Last Supper. That should really be all anybody needs to know. So back to Kiss. I want to talk about Kiss for a moment. Last week, I think it was, I want to say it was the 27th and the 28th of June. A and E, Annie, Annie, I have to be careful how I say it because when I was talking to my wife about it, she kept thinking I was saying Annie. A and E, the cable station, they do a show called Biography. A and E Biography. And she thought I was saying Annie, but Annie Biography. But anyway, because I, I talk fast. I talk fast and I think fast. And I often trip and hit my head. So they did this A&E biography, two nights, two episodes, two hours long with commercials. So they're about an hour and a half long. And it was the, it was a kiss biography. Now, the one thing about the biography that I was a little disappointed in is that Ace Frehley and Peter Chris declined to participate. That is where their, their, uh, relationship is when it comes to the four founding members of kiss. If you're not aware, Kiss is still on tour. It, they still have the demon, the star child, the cat man, and the space ace. The four characters are still up there on stage playing. Paul Stanley is the star child. Gene Simmons is the demon. Originally, Peter Chris, the drummer, was the cat man, and Ace Fraley was space ace. But those two are no longer with the band. They have been replaced by Eric Singer as the cat man and Tommy Thayer as the space ace which angered some, didn't anger others. I, I honestly don't care, to be to be honest with you. I've seen them in their makeup twice with the four original members, so I'm happy. I don't need to see them on this final farewell tour, um, which I do believe is going to be their final farewell tour. I know they did it once before, but that they consider the final farewell tour with uh, the four original members. But you got to understand that Gene and Paul are in their 70s at this point, and... Uh, they're ready to they're ready to be done with it. But the biography was really good. But because Peter and Ace refused to participate, you can't be 100% sure that they're part of the story because of course you got the four you got the four members, right? And at one point Peter leaves the band and then Ace leaves the band. They replace Peter with Eric Carr, they replace Ace with Vinnie Vincent. Vinnie Vincent leaves the band. They replace him with Mark St. John. He gets, he ends up with an arth arthritic condition in his hands where his hands swell up. They replace him with Bruce Kulik. Eric Carr passes away from cancer. They replace him with Eric Singer. And then in the late nineties, Peter Chris and Ace Fraley come back. They do a reunion tour. They do another album. They do an, uh, maybe another tour, maybe a second tour, maybe a third. Peter Chris leaves the band. Ace leaves the band. They bring Eric Singer back and Tommy Thayer, who was uh, 
basically Ace's guitar tech. He was also the tour manager. He, uh, well, not really the two. I mean, he was, he wasn't their manager at that point, but he, he helped coordinate with the tours and basically make sure that hotel, the hotels had everything that they wanted and all this stuff. But when it came to the stories behind why Peter and Ace left the band, um, of course, we're hearing the stories from everybody but Ace and Peter to a certain extent. They did include previous interviews that the two had done. So in those interviews, they do tell their part of the story to a certain extent, but it would have been nice to have both of them there. You know, it's one of those things where it's like the Beatles, they were only together for a decade. Kiss has been a thing for almost 50 years now. I think uh, what the documentary said was this is their 50th year touring or or something to that effect. The Beatles, of course, is a is a much more popular band. They're a bigger band, but they get the Beatles anthology, which was like 10 one hour episodes on TV. This this sprawling documentary about their career. The surviving members all participate in this documentary. And then Kiss does this one. It's two episodes. It would have been nice to have Ace and Peter there to tell their side. Again, they did because they they were really good about including these interviews. But I don't know. I think the career that Kiss had and they were I don't care what anybody says. They were freaking huge in the 70s. They were monolithic. They were just everybody knew Kiss in the 70s. I mean, they were the Beatles in the 70s. I, you know, argue all you want, but they were. And many people labor under the assumption that that's only because of their gimmick. And yeah, that got them out in front of people and it got people looking. But I don't think they would have continued to sell albums. They did not have one album that didn't go gold. Even their worst albums, like I think even The Elder went gold and that album sucked. But people bought them because they were loyal Kiss fans. Of course, they bought The Elder and they went, wow, this sucks. (laughs) What are you guys doing? And they almost didn't buy their following album. They hadn't taken the makeup off. So yeah, the gimmick does play into it. The makeup brought people in. They became huge. They started to lose popularity because first Peter Chris leaves the band, then Ace Freely leaves the band. They're replacing them with other guys who are putting on different forms of makeup, different characters, and people just, people just didn't get behind it too much. You know, to them, it was the Paul, Gene, Peter, and Ace. And then, of course, they release albums like Dynasty, which everyone just, oh, that's their, their disco album, which it's not. There are a couple of disco songs on it, sure, but it's not a disco album, but it's not a typical Kiss album. And I mean, honestly, you can say that after a certain point, is there really a typical Kiss album? No. But then their next gimmick was, of course, taking the makeup off. That brought back more people because, yeah, nobody knew what they looked like. That was that was another big thing for Kiss in the 70s is they their manager came up with this idea, which was we need to keep the whole makeup thing a mystery. You know what you guys look like under the makeup. We just won't we just won't let you, people see you without the makeup. And uh, yeah, anyway, yeah, I'm a big Kiss fan and maybe I'm not a fan of all the members of Kiss. I'm, I'm definitely not a fan of Gene Simmons anymore. I read his book and he he just. He just lost me with his book, uh, which was less about music and the band and seemed to be more about the various women. I mean, he he would go into detail 
not just about like, here's some of the celebrities I slept with. It's like, I was in Tennessee and I went home with this, this girl. And then I was in Georgia and I went and it's like, okay, great. I'm glad you remember all that, but you've got a problem, right? You've got a problem. And I guess he admits to it these days, whatever. I don't care. I'm not, not a big fan of his, but I do like their music. I'm a big Kiss fan. The two documentary episodes were, were really good. I really enjoyed them. I wished Peter and Ace would have been a part of it. It does kind of hurt the old Kiss fan soul that the four original members don't get along. Um, but if the stories are to be believed, I completely understand it. I don't know what else I have to say, folks. Watch some movies, watch a documentary. Haven't read a lot of comics recently, and that's where we're at. Thank you for sticking with me. Thank you for being a part of this. When I take over the world, when my dominion begins, you will be remembered. You will be one of the loyal few who stand at my side and reap the fruit of the conquered that I conquer. Again, I don't know how I'm going to do it, to be honest, but, you know, it's going to happen. It'll happen, folks. Keep your eye to the sky and listen for the Thunderbirds cry. Until then, folks, hey, I'm Steven, and this is just another fanboy. Be nice to each other. Good job. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.